0: Kathy describes her anxiety like this. It's having your body reacting to a real emergency while your brain is wondering what the emergency is because there isn't one. But your body continues and you cannot turn off the alarm. Henry says it's that bad feeling you get in the pit of your stomach when something bad is going to happen except it's all the time and you never actually find out what the bad thing is that's going to happen. Emma says it's like trying to find air while you're underwater. For some of you, these descriptions are all too real, and you can probably add some detailed accounts of your own. Uh, Nicole says it's when she's about to go up on the platform, even though she's done it 100 times before, and she has to squeeze the living daylights out of her husband's hand to remind her that God is faithful. This monster called anxiety has visited far too many of our lives. In fact, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, in a given year, 50 million Americans will feel the effects of a panic attack, phobias, or reoccurring anxiety. And anxiety in the US is the number one mental health problem for women, number one. And second, only to alcohol and drug abuse for men. And so if you are here this morning and you are sitting in the pew today And you would say, yeah, I I came because this was the topic. (laughs) Let's be real. Or or I deal with this. I want you to know, not only are you not alone in this room, but you are not alone in this city. You're not alone in this country. You're not alone in this world. Millions of people deal with this. And that's why for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about this struggle and we're going to approach it head on. We have um, provided a resource list for you. Hopefully you got it when you came in. It has um, a whole bunch of things on it, books, Bible studies, podcasts, things you can listen to. We actually created our own special bonus podcast series, Pastor Quint and I, that has um, interviews with people from our own congregation about topics like how to pray through your anxiety, um, how, how different people uh, got to victory through their anxiety, through being a part of the community. So I want you to tune in. I want you to listen to it. You won't want to miss it so that you can really um, take what you're learning on Sunday and be able to, to use it all week long. We want you to invite someone to come with you to this series um, if you think they would benefit from hearing it. Um, in the lobby at our Next Step Center, we purchased some small books. They're about 100 page books. And we have our, our card in there that invites them to church. And we want you to take them. They're free, so take as many as you know people that you can give it to. And just um, use it as a tool this week to help and invite people. Grab a few. Last week, um, I bought like 150, I thought that would last us the whole month, we were out in one week. (laughs) So clearly, we know some people who need to hear what God has to say about this topic, so we restocked and we're ready for you this week. So I have three amazing girls, I have a photo of them here, Um, they're 11, 6, and 4, and the other night, I think it's coming, uh, we were doing family devotions together, and a question was posed in the book, aren't they sweet? Um, A question was posed in the book, uh, does God worry? Does God worry? And the three of them shouted instantly at the top of their lungs without hesitation, no! (laughs) As if that question was completely ludicrous. Like, why would they even ask that question, Mom? And my heart did one of those flip-flops. You know that feeling when you realize that maybe your children have a better understanding of reality than you? (laughs) When you have that moment of, they are so confident in this, and one would think that Christians would be exempt from worry and exempt from anxiety, but we are not. In fact, sometimes we are taught that the Christian life should be so full of peace, and so then when we don't have peace, we assume that we are the problem. Like, we must not be doing this Christianity thing very well. We're the problem. And then not only do we feel anxious, but we feel guilty that we feel anxious, And then we are on this downward spiral of guilt, anxiety, guilt, anxiety, guilt, anxiety, until we're in a much worse spot when we started. When I was praying through this series, I felt like God gave me this prophetic picture. And my prayer is today that that you can identify with this. I felt like that some of us were in a really maybe rough waters. Picture the ocean um, when it's very, very rough. There's a storm coming. And, And we're being pushed over wave after wave. And some moments we feel like we're drowning, just totally in over our heads. And and I really believe that some of you have been in this season for, for a long time, longer than you want to be. And we are desperate for God to send us a lifeline. We're desperate for God to send us a lifeline. And in this prophetic picture, it's as if this rescue helicopter has come. This rescue helicopter has come. And it sees you in the water, and it lets down this rope ladder to offer you an escape. And the rope ladder is coming right now. (laughs) We thought you might laugh. I was hoping to be serious. Grab it, fix it. Sometimes it comes when you least expect it. See what I did there? But this rope ladder is the promises and the truth of who God says He is. This series of messages may not take away your battle with anxiety instantly. My prayer is it will. But it may not take away your battle with anxiety instantly. There is no formula. There is no guaranteed solution for the battle. It's complex. It's complicated. I won't pretend that it's not. But I can't promise if you do everything we talk about at the end of three weeks, you're going to feel good as new. I wish that I could. But I believe that if you can get a grip on, on a ladder... If you can get a grip on the truth of what God is, maybe just one of the truths that we talk about this month, if you can get a grip on the ladder, that as you're climbing out, (laughs) the storm may still be all around you, but as you're climbing out, that the truth and the hope of who Jesus Christ is can give you something to hang on to through the season. So that is where we're going this month. I believe that it will still be a climb up. Work will still need to happen. There will probably be a process. But my prayer is that the truth of God and the person of Jesus Christ can be something you could hang on to until you are through the season. Now, no more are falling, so don't worry. Like, not, like throughout the message, they're not gonna, like, pop down. That was it. There it is. That would have been cool, though, Jason. We should have thought of that. For some of us... God's healing will include help. It will include therapy. It may even include medication. And if that's the case, I want to tell you, do not for a moment think that you are a second-class Christian. Do not for a moment think that you, because you can't handle it or conquer it on your own, that you're a second-class Christian. Ask God to lead you to a qualified counselor or physician who can provide the treatment that you need. But God's will is not that you lead a life of perpetual anxiety. It is not his will that you face your days with dread. He made you for more than a life of angst and worry, and he has a new chapter for you. And I really believe he's ready to write it. So the scripture we're going to talk about this month is from Philippians 4, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this passage has several lifelines. It has several rope ladders that can come from it, and it's going to help us through the storm of anxiety. Today, I want to focus on verses four and five specifically. Now Paul is writing this passage. Paul's about 60 years old and for the last 30 years he had been traveling the Mediterranean spreading the gospel. And it had been far from a luxurious Mediterranean vacation. In fact, uh, at one on one occasion he was beaten with rods and received 39 lashes on five different occasions. He was once left for dead. He was imprisoned, deserted by friends and coworkers. He endured shipwrecks and storms. And Nero, the Roman emperor Emperor at the time, was killing Christians to gain favor with the Roman citizens. And Paul was the most well-known. So it was at any moment, his head was on the chopping block, literally. He was the guy that they were looking for to make the biggest statement. And here Paul sits. Okay, He's writing this message from Philippians 4 in a Roman prison. With every possible reason to be anxious. And this is what he writes. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Now, I don't think Paul is saying this from an ignorant or naive place. As if he's like denying the reality of his circumstances. Like when it's Monday and your car transmission dies and your checking account bounces, and your favorite pair of jeans rip, and, and Starbucks is out of your pumpkin spice latte because it's not fall anymore. And, and, and you miss a deadline at work, and you just keep telling yourself, it's good, it's good, it's a good day, it's a good day, it should be a good day. It is not a good day. It's, it's a dumpster fire day, okay? It's a train wreck kind of day. It's a bad day. And you know what, calling it bad isn't a problem. Paul isn't saying, here I am in prison, I'm glad I get beaten every time I show up. I'm just enjoying my ride. That is not what he's saying here. I believe what he's saying is this. I have heard the truth of God in a steady, firm experienced voice listen I've been around the block with hard days and unfair days and disappointments but the thing I've heard Jesus Christ tell me every time and the thing he wants you to know is this lifeline rejoice always rejoice always this lifeline is a call to a decision not just a feeling it's a deeply rooted confident decision but I believe before you can make that decision to rejoice always, you have to settle within yourself a question. And the question is who's in control? Who's in charge? Who's in control? Sovereignty is this term in the Bible that uses to describe God's perfect control and management of the universe. And you have to decide do you really believe and trust in the sovereignty of God? Do you really believe and trust in the sovereignty of God? Because anxiety is often the consequence of perceived chaos. Anxiety is often the consequence of perceived chaos. If we feel like we're just out here on our own, fending for ourselves, that breeds some significant fear. If we feel like it's 100% up to us to make our lives work out successfully, and if we make one wrong decision, that will be a domino effect into certain doom, we feel a little bit of pressure, and rightly so. If that were the case. But here is an example. One major phobia that, that a lot of people struggle with, and you may in this room, is fear of flying in a plane. And I personally have a little bit of this myself. Um, I need to have my snack. I need to have my ginger ale and my Swedish fish in my bag so that I can have it. I, I'm actually the person who shushes the people around me because I have to listen to the flight crew make the announcement because I legitimately want to know where my life preserver is in case of a water emergency landing. Like, I want to know. Um, at least once during a flight, I usually lean to the person next to me and say, does that engine sound normal? I mean, does that sound normal to you? Do you yeah? But fear of flying is fairly common. But I never have that same fear driving home from work. I never have that same fear driving across town or to Walmart. If you look at the statistics, the odds of an airplane crashing are 1 in 10,000, and the odds of a car crashing are 1 in 114. So anxiety increases as perceived control diminishes. I feel more in control when I'm driving my car than when I'm trusting a pilot who I've never met to fly me in a big steel tube in the air that I've never been in. There's just something about that. But the truth is, in this scenario, I'm no safer because I'm in charge. If you ask Joel how he thinks my driving is, I'm way less safer when I'm in charge. (laughs) We can't control everything. And even if we could... We aren't necessarily any safer when we are in charge. We have a false perception of how much we can control around us. Sometimes I think God just gives us a little like, oh, that's so cute. They think that they're, you know, making their life good. That's so, oh, little do they know. God's, God, is, God is the author of every good thing we've ever had. God is the reason why we have everything we do. And the most anxious and stressed out people are usually those who are working the hardest to gain control. So think about the situation, maybe the circumstance, that is the most stressful to you and evaluate if, in fact, you are trying to control it. Because what happens is the more we try to control the world, the more we realize we cannot. And life becomes a cycle of anxiety and failure, anxiety and failure, and on and on. I heard it said this way, anxiety controls you by making you feel like you're out of control. So anxiety controls you by making you feel like you're out of control. And Paul is giving us another option here. He's throwing us a lifeline in Philippians. And he is saying this, when things feel like they're spinning out of control, when you're worried, when you're hurt, when you're confused, rejoice always. Rejoice always. The only way to be able to rejoice always is to realize who's actually in charge. And so rather than seeking total control, surrender it. You can't control your life. You can't control anyone else's choices. You can't run the world. But you know what? You can trust the God who does. You can hang on tight to the lifeline of the rope ladder that he's sending you. You can trust the God who does. Now, people who would identify themselves as deists believe that God created the universe, but then he abandoned it. Like, like he, he uh, wound up a clock, and now was just letting it tick and he's watching us from a distance. Atheists believe there is no God, there's no divine plan, so there's no purpose past this life that we're living right now. But Christians believe there is a God, and this God is personally and powerfully involved in his creation. This God is trustworthy. This God reigns over every detail of the universe, and this God has a steady and a good hand. Colossians 1:17 says this, he is before all things And in him, all things hold together. Did you know that the earth's axis of rotation is tilted precisely at 23 and a half degrees relative to the perpendicular of the earth's plane of orbit? And because it is tilted 23 and a half degrees, it causes us the four seasons. A little bit more of one of the seasons where we live. (laughs) But if the earth had any other degree of tilt, All of humanity would have to live in the mid-latitudes of the earth. Only about half of our presently farmable land could grow crops. Most of Europe and North America would experience very prolonged darkness and very prolonged daylight in the summer. And life on most of the earth's surface would become intolerable. Also, the earth rotates once every 24 hours, creating what we call one day except on daylight savings, which totally screwed up my entire sermon today. Why would that happen? (laughs) But scientists have done extensive research proving that one 24-hour time period is the optimum amount to evenly heat the earth, like a turkey on a barbecue spit. (laughs) This is one 24-hour period is perfect. Perfect. In fact, if we had a choice in the matter, we could hardly improve on the current arrangement of tilt and rotation of our planet, which seems to be planned for both survival and comfort. Now, to some, the ideal access and rotation of the earth is a strange accident. But to me, it is a marvelous testimony of God's personal and powerful involvement with his creation. And Paul says, rejoice always. Because the same God who tilted the earth 23 and a half degrees, not one degree further, not one degree closer, the same God who made it rotate in 24 hours precisely is the same God who is working in your life. It's the same God that is working out whatever situation you feel anxious about. That is the same God Astronomy declares the glory of God. Even the ecosystem reminds us of how big and how great and how sovereign God is. I'm going to give you a practical tip um, next time you're feeling overwhelmed. Next time you feel like you have a lot of anxiety about something. Next time, next time this is kind of overtaking you, I'm going to give you a really practical tip because sometimes the most spiritual things are the most simple and the most practical. In fact, one time Pastor Quint told us he was counseling someone and he said the best advice he could give him was just sleep with a fan. <laughs> And we were like, oh, okay. He's like, that was the most practical thing. That's funnier during our staff meetings. I'm sorry. All right, everyone laugh a little bit. Sorry, Quint. Here's my practical tip. Take a walk outside. Or a bike or a scooter or a snowmobile soon, whatever you want to do. Because Matthew 6 gives us this advice. Take a walk outside and spend some time looking at the birds because they aren't stressed. They, they don't have a savings account to fall back on. But God feeds them. The scripture says, look at the fields. The flowers bloom without worrying how they will grow or what they will look like or if they'll be beautiful enough or if they'll be noticed. How much more valuable are we to Jesus? We are the center of creation. We are the focus of redemption and forgiveness. And the scripture says, if he takes care of the birds and the lilies of the field like this, how much more will he take care of us? And he's just reminding us of the sovereignty and the goodness and the bigness and the vastness of who God is. Our sovereign God says this in Matthew six thirty three through 34, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right, so we're back to Paul in Philippians 4. And he's giving us this word from God. He's giving us this lifeline to rejoice always. And I believe that he is telling us this honestly because he has done a lot of bird watching. I really believe that. All through the Mediterranean as he traveled, Paul is walking around and he has convinced, he has decided that God is the energizing force behind everything. That no moment, no detail falls outside of his supervision. And and, and I believe it beckons this question, and I've asked it myself in my own life, and and I'm sure um, Paul asked it too. If God's in charge, then why is Paul in prison? Like, why does does God permit challenges to come our way? Why doesn't he prevent them? And we're going to talk more about that as this series goes on. But here is Paul's answer to that question, if you dig a little bit in Philippians. He actually opens with it in Philippians 1. 12 through 13, it says, Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. That as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And then in Philippians 2, 13, Paul says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And Paul, in his suffering, he, he, he hangs on tight to this lifeline. He hangs on tight to this rope ladder, and he says, God, I am in the storm. This does not seem very fun. This is not what I expected spreading your gospel would look like. But God, I know you're in charge. God, I know you're in control and I'm going to hang on for dear life and maybe a little bit with my eyes shut because God, I know that you are in control, God. I know that you are in charge and you are a good God and you are a faithful God. And I know that your sovereignty can help me fight anxiety. i boiled it down to, we can often fight anxiety with two words, but God. The company is downsizing, but God is still sovereign. The cancer is back, but my God occupies the throne. I, I, I have anxiety that plagues me daily, but God is giving me courage. But God is sending me a lifeline. But God, but God, but God, but God, but God. But God. That's what's happening. We can believe in the promises. And the sovereignty of God everyone thought the life of Jesus was over when he was crucified on the cross but God right his son was dead his son was buried but God raised him from the dead that's what God does but God this is what our whole faith is on and I really believe in Romans 8 when he says neither death." Nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He wants us to know that the storm is totally raging around you sometimes, and I don't understand why he won't just pluck you from it. But you have a rope ladder to hang on to for dear life, and that is the sovereignty and the goodness of who God is. In Philippians 4, Paul says it, he goes and on that ladder rejoice in the Lord always. I'm gonna say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. I think for some of us this morning, we thought that the source of our anxiety was our calendar or our marriage or our job or maybe some difficult circumstance. But anxiety thrives on the perception that things are spinning out of control and we have to resolve this question, who's in charge? Do you believe that God is a steady hand on your life? Do you trust, like it says in verse five, the Lord is near, he is not letting you fend for yourself. He is not very far away. So would you stand? We're gonna sing this song one more time. This song has been just a banner for me in my life, for for this anxiety series. But I just wanna ask you to um, just respond to God. Put yourself in a posture of surrender if you need prayer there's prayer teams to my right and to my left i want you to fill this altar with just surrendered lives just just grab that lifeline that god is trying to show you that listen he is faithful and he is in charge and fear doesn't stand a chance because but god (laughs) but god and and think about your situation and the anxiety and the things you're dealing with and just say okay here's what it is but god God, and ask him to fill in the blank, because I believe that he wants so badly for us to live with this understanding that he has thrown us something we can hang on to. So let's just sing this out with all we got.
1: Darkness tries to roll over my boat. and pain is all I- we just thank you that our fear doesn't stand a chance because you are our redeemer, because you can break off every chain, because there's power that has emptied out the grave. Amen. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for the encouragement and the words that you have left us. And may we leave this place knowing that you are the God who is controlling every situation that we encounter. You are the God who is at work. Even when we can't see it, you're working. And so we thank you for that. We praise you. We love you. And we honor you with everything we have. Amen. Amen, amen. Have a blessed week, church. We love you.